0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive five hundred dollars off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B E. Hey, do you love learning and development? Love teaching? Love education? But we're thinking about doing something different. Well, if you've ever thought those things, Tonight's episode is for you. Our guest, Christy Loudon, is a former K-12 teacher who successfully transitioned into instructional design. Tonight she shares her journey and some really groovy tips on how you can make plans to make a transition as well. So let's get ready to rock, shall we? They are the Fabulous Learning Nerds, cause if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the Fabulous Learning Nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun, the best ideas that you've ever heard, so everybody spread the word, they're gonna keep you with the Fabulous Learning Nerds,
1: Fabulous Learning
0: Nerds, oh yeah! Hey everybody, welcome back to another great episode of your Fabulous Learning Nerds. My name's Scott Schutte, I'm your host, and with us this evening, back from his road trip to Midland... It's Dan, the man, Coonrod. Dan, the man. Daniel.
2: (laughs) Hey, Scott. How you doing, sir? I'm fair to Midland, sir. How's the family truckster? Uh, You know, now that I I know that reference, it's good. It was good. I put a lot of miles uh, on my car with the family. So, quick background, I got a two-door coupe. And uh, thank God that my daughter is a patient person because she put up with riding in the backseat for the way there. Uh, It was a good trip. It was good. It was nice, cramped, but good.
0: Cramped, but good. That is awesome. And how many miles did you put on the family truckster, sir? Just shy of 1,400. Holy smokes! Wow. Wow. Well, it better be sitting in the garage and you're walking for a few weeks, right?
2: Well... I don't I mean, we're all living covid time, so I'm not going anywhere fast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But we're saving money on gas, which is why it's pretty much more expensive all the way around. Hey, that (laughs) that being said, um, we're glad you're back. We missed you last week. Abby's with us again. And um, we got to play her theme song twice this week. Only once. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll ever Abby Dawson. (laughs) Abby. Hey there. Are you? Are did you? Did we miss Dan last week?
1: We did. I mean, the double drop was nice, but I I missed Dan.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, and but Dan also missed a fantastic episode. Last week's episode was off the charts great. I have received no less than three personal emails about last week's episode, so I want to personally thank da Kim. Yeah. For laying down the knowledge, that was fantastic. We have to have him back. Sorry, you missed that one, Dan. No emails this week, everybody, uh, which is fine. Uh, If you do want to email us, please um, drop us a line at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read it or address uh, whatever services you might be referring to in that email. Um, We've got a super exciting show this week. Dare I say, as awesome as last week's show, uh, because we have a very special guest with us in studio today. Um, she's a raving fan and she's got an amazing story. Miss Christy Loudon, everybody. <laughs> Christy.
3: Hello.
0: How are you doing?
3: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm super excited. Like Christy it was one of Well, I'm not going to say one of. You're you're a you're amazing and we we kind of connected not too long ago and your, your journey is amazing. So we thought it might be a really great opportunity for you to, to share some wisdom, uh, um, about your story and hopes that it would be as inspiring as the rest of the people that we've had on our show.
3: Awesome. I will try.
0: Yeah. No pressure,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. no, yeah, no pressure, but, uh, with that, um, we're going to go ahead and, you know, what's your deal is normally what we do, but since we're talking about, uh, your journey it uh, that really is kind of what's your deal so well, ladies and gentlemen let's go ahead and we'll dive into the topic of the week are you ready? christy yes you have an interesting journey you went from teaching which a lot of our listeners out there are teachers and we love you teachers Paul Hart being one, right? We we love teachers. So you you taught um, K through 12, correct?
3: Yeah. Well, I taught high school English.
0: <gasps> oh, okay. All right. Well, that is K through 12, right? Yeah.
3: It's in the K-12 range. I just didn't want you to think. I taught like kindergarten through 12 grade. Oh, I, do I got you. Okay.
0: All right. And now you're in instructional design. Yes. All right. I want to know how the hell that happens. I I don't know. Abby, what do you think?
1: I think if you teach high schoolers, you've taught kindergartners. I think it's the same.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> that there are definitely some uh, similarities there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating. I I I can't wait to hear more about your journey. I I think uh there aren't a lot of people who've taught traditional like education and then moved into adult learning. So, I'm curious to know like what us in adult learning need to know and and the folks who are teaching regular school need to know about those crossovers and and how we can help each other that'd be great
2: (laughs) i think any person in public teaching deserves a medal uh having been a teenager once i can't imagine having to put up and guide me let alone 24 to 30 versions of me in that age bracket so that's just amazing
3: it definitely had its moments, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to stop talking because I really want to hear how you uh, transitioned then from uh, teaching teenagers uh, to uh, ID and adult learning. It, it, that sounds like an amazing journey. So um, start wherever you feel comfortable and then we'll we'll chime in with our questions. How's that?
3: Okay. I'll just kind of do a brief overview of my experience as a teacher. Um, so... This year was my 15th year as a high school English teacher. Um, I started in actually in Indiana. I'm from Michigan and then we moved to Alabama. So most of my time has been here. Um, And I have always enjoyed teaching teachers. So I think it was my third year of teaching that I first started leading professional development, um, which was nerve wracking because I was like, I'm like 12. How am I teaching these teachers? Um. But I really enjoyed it, and so that was something I continued to do for the rest of my teaching career. Um, And about,
0: can I pause you right there, just for our listeners that aren't in education, because this fascinates me. So help me understand professional development. So you're you were responsible to coach and and grow fellow teachers. Is that is that okay? And how does one do that?
3: It depends. I mean, there's so many ways. Uh, I would say at least. 90% 90% of the, the professional development or PD that I led was tech related. So for example, if our school got a new technology, so like the school that I got or the school that I was at went one-to-one with Chromebooks. Um, and a friend of mine and I were put in charge of basically training everyone to use their Chromebooks. And so we got our Chromebooks and played with them. And then we both are tech savvy if you will or just you know set technology in front of me and i'll just figure it out um and then we were the turnaround people so then we sat in the library all day and like people just came and asked us questions mostly how do i change the background of my book but um but then from there we branched out and so yeah i would say about 90 percent over the years was tech related in some way um whether it be like how to use a tech tool or how to integrate technology into the content that you're teaching. Um, But then as an English teacher, I also taught things about writing in other classes, public speaking in classes. Like, so it just depended on the topic. Um, Usually in-person PD at school, but I've also led PD not school affiliated online and
0: just wherever. That is so cool. All right, continue.
3: Um, And so, uh, let's see. Four years ago, I started instructional coaching, which means um, essentially I was like a one-on-one coach in the school to help teachers, mostly new teachers, but I also helped veteran teachers when they wanted it, um, like hone their skills. So with new teachers, it was like accelerating the things they would normally learn on their own over the course of the first couple of years of teaching, but trying to speed the process up so they didn't have to wait three years to learn things that made their lives easier. Um, I would coach them, like I would go in their classroom and watch them teach and help them create lessons and reflections and all that kind of stuff. So that was amazing and loved it. And honestly, I, um, I won't tell the whole backstory, but I ended up, we opened a new school in our district and I am really passionate about this new school. It's kind of a career tech college prep, like combo. Um, and I was there from day one when the building was like falling down and we bought it and we're like, what do we do with this building? Um, and we use the design thinking process to figure out what to do with it. And so I've been kind of part of the process all the way up until it was ready to open. So I ended up moving to that school and going back into the classroom, which was awesome, but also like was a signal like, okay, I think it's time for me to start looking around to see what else I want to do. Um, because I love teaching. I don't want to give the impression that I don't. I love the kids. That was the hardest part about leaving. But there's a lot of uh, BS that goes with it. Um, that's like unavoidable, no matter how hard you try. Um, so even if you love it and all the things, it's still just, it was a lot. Plus, I'm very, I guess for lack of a better word, like ambitious. Like I want to do things and I want to keep learning. And And if you're in the classroom, there's like nowhere to go. You can go to administration, but like ugh, that's sounds miserable. Um, so basically, you can become a librarian, which there's one job in a school. So that's not your best choice. You can be a counselor. I would be terrible at that. Or you can be an administrator. Also, probably wouldn't be very good and also just don't want to. Um, so I decided to kind of look around. And actually, our assistant superintendent, about three or four years ago, had planted the idea of an instructional coach in my head. And, or I'm sorry, an instructional designer, and I really didn't know what that meant. Um, but last year, I started exploring and going, "Oh, I think this actually is what I'm interested in." Um, and so that was, and that was all before COVID too. And then COVID hit, and it was like a different ball game. But um, so I just started exploring instructional design and training because I already liked training teachers, so that kind of made sense to me. Um, and Yeah, that's kind of how I stumbled into all of this stuff.
1: (laughs) Christy, I love your story. It makes me think of um, our conversation we had with Doc Kim last week, but about, you know, following your passion. Um, One, I have two questions for you. One. Have you decided if you're an Alabama or Auburn fan yet? Having gotten to Alabama, because I am. Uh, I'm from Birmingham originally.
3: Oh, awesome!
1: Moved there as a kid, and my parents very quickly told us we were Alabama fans. It was non-negotiable. So I know that conversation happens early and I always.
3: Like so we've been here for 14 years, um, and my answer to people is still that I'm a Michigan fan because that shuts them up real quick. They're I like. Bet. Okay. (laughs) yeah, they don't know what to do with you there. (laughs) That made it real smooth. I don't have to, like, pick a side.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my second question is, um, it's hard to know when you hear that, like, echo in the back of your brain, like, it's time to go. It's time to Mm -hmm. do something different. Was there something that, like, apart from, like, you just kind of knew when you got back to the classroom, that wasn't it? Was there anything else that you were, like, solidified it for you?
3: That's a great question, I guess. So a couple of years before I did the instructional coaching thing, I honestly had like a meltdown one day at school. And that is really not me. I had just hit a breaking point. I was in an administrator's office asking a question. We had all been kicked out of our classrooms for testing. And so we were like floating around the building with our kids. And it was, I was like, okay, any idea how many more days we're gonna be doing this? And she didn't realize how stressed I was. So she just said, oh, I'm not really sure. And it was very like, dismissive and I was like, oh, okay. And then she looked at me, she said, Are you okay? And I was like, oh, I just started crying. And she's like, oh my God, close the door, get in here. What is going on? So that is when that was the first time that I was really like, okay, something has to change for me. So then the instructional coaching thing was awesome. And then when I got back in the classroom, um I don't know exactly what it was, but I saw an instructional design position at UAB here in Birmingham. And I was like, "That's cool. I'm gonna just apply." <laughs> that was a joke, but I mean, my resume like was embarrassing, um, and I think that sort of just like triggered something where I was like, "Why don't I just apply?" I mean, what's it gonna hurt, right? So, um, most people I knew, even people at school, knew that I was kind of like itching for something, um, and so about last January like 2020, uh, I just told myself like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I want and I'm going to go for it. Um, and so that's what I was hoping to get a job before school started last year, but obviously companies don't necessarily hire on the school schedule. So I did end up starting to teach in the fall. Um, and I, before school started, I was like, I <laughs> like had to have a talk with myself. Okay. If a, if a job comes up, You can't let the guilt of leaving the juniors who are, let's face it, going to be totally fine when you leave. um, You cannot let that like stop you. And so um, that was something I just had to keep. I just every week I was like, okay, I'm applying for a couple more jobs. I'm going to do I did a bunch of courses last year. Um, So I think it was. Partly COVID and it was I was ready to leave before COVID, but COVID highlighted a lot of issues in the public education system um and i knew i didn't want to go to like private school or anything so it was a lot of to answer your question finally um it was like a lot of things that all seemed to just come together and say it's time i was like okay (laughs) so okay I think so because even before covid that's when I had kind of convinced myself that it was time. It's just that covid gave me a little bit more of a shove um and also gave me a lot of time to like fix my resume and take a million courses and network and do all these things that would have been a lot harder had covid not happened. Um so I think I would have. I'd like to think that I would have.
0: <laughs> Christy um Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about your transition, right? So, how did you go from this? I had this burning sensation to go into instructional design to actually doing it. How did you get from idea to execution?
3: Okay. Um. So when, well, more recently, when the idea of instructional design came back up, um, I I'm I'm in a few Facebook groups for teachers who don't who want to transition, um there are surprise like there are a lot you'd be surprised um or maybe you wouldn't but lots of people are talking about instructional design and training and i was like huh those sound like things that i can maybe do so i started researching and curating resources and whatnot and um, i stumbled on several courses um some that are well known and like really big and whatever inexpensive um and then one was from This person who it was specifically for teachers who wanted to transition into instructional design and it was extremely affordable uh so i signed up and it gave me a great foundation she had like weekly workshops where we could get online and talk with her and look at examples and it was really great that then spurred me to like do a million other things um so i did a lot of reading, um, I networked on LinkedIn quite a bit and um, I started contracting. So that was probably the biggest thing for me. Um, I worked for Instructure, if y'all know that company, they do Canvas, the LMS system. Um, so I worked for Instructure, not for a real long time, but just enough to like kind of get some background information. Um, what else did I do? Uh, I did some training, contracting, at the beginning of la- like the end of summer, beginning of school year, last year, I had four contracting jobs, like all at the same time. So um, I was just like, give me experience, <laughs> like all the things. Um, I also volunteered with Design for Humanity. Um, it started last year in like April or May-ish, um, basically a huge, huge group of volunteers um, instructional designers who were new, who were veterans, um, came together to design and develop um, anti bias education basically for free for K 12 teachers. Um, and so that was an awesome opportunity that kind of took me through the summer. I learned a lot through that. Um, and then actually, a former student contacted me, like a grown person now, um, and said, uh, hey, I want, I have an idea I'd like to run by you. Like, okay, cool. And I just, background real quick. I invite former students back every January to talk to my juniors about like what's coming up and what to do and how not to be idiots and stuff. Um, so a former student actually contacted me. Um, I keep in touch with a lot of my students. Social media is awesome for that. But I also invite former students to come talk to my juniors in January um, to talk about like, their next steps and, you know, how to make good decisions and whatnot. Um, and so he contacted me and said, hey, I have an idea and I'd like to talk it through with you. So I said, OK. So he was starting a financial company. So basically to support especially young people with um, like their finances and uh, trading. And I don't, I don't really know because I'm not well versed in that. But he wanted to just have an educational branch where he was teaching people some of the things that he knew. And so he told me all of his ideas and I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. And he was like, I know, that's why I contacted you. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, So I actually worked for my former student helping him create courses. And so two of his courses are out there in the world for people to take. One is about um, scholarships for seniors, I guess, and kids um, in college. And then one is about like credit and just understanding all that stuff that no one teaches you. Um... So those were all like during that transition phase, I was basically just working my tail off, um, doing whatever I could possibly do, whether it was getting paid or volunteering or just reading or taking courses um, and networking. Like I said, that was a big, big part of it.
0: Awesome. Can we back up for just a minute? Because I know that there are people listening who uh, are listening to your story and taking notes. Right. So for all those people that are taking notes, could you talk a little bit about? You talked a little bit about you took some courses. Do you remember what those courses were? And would you mind go ahead and sharing that with our audience? And um, as is the second and follow up question is, I'm really interested about your student and his coursework and feel free to pimp that, too. So go ahead.
3: OK, awesome. Um, so the first course was. Oh, gosh. Okay, I can't 100% remember what it's called, but like teacher to instructional designer or something Um, with Allie Parrish. And she is so supportive and always trying to update her courses and make sure that the people in them are getting all of the help that they need. She's actually how I got one of my contracting jobs in the um, fall. I was training teachers in Hawaii and that was all through her. So um, she's an amazing resource. And then um, Alex Salas on. Uh, if you've seen him on LinkedIn, he has e-learning launch and in the late summer, he had a contest for teachers to, well, it wasn't much contest, I guess it was just, you put your name on the LinkedIn post and then he picked some, um, and for a free course. And I won the free course. It was called, uh, Enterprise ID. It was an eight week intensive, two days a week, two, two hours a day, uh, course. That was, I mean, I wanted to quit multiple times and I was like, no, I must make it. Um, And then when I did, I was like, dang, that was awesome. Um, So e-learning launches a phenomenal resource and Alex is awesome. He also has a Facebook group and does like random weekend learning sessions where we just like jump on a call and learn things. Um, So those were the two that I can remember right this minute um, that were really helpful in helping me get a foundation and then kind of taking it like to the next level. Um and then my student is Brian Hatcher and his company is called Hatch Capital, which I thought was very clever. Um and actually the the logo is so cool. It's an egg a hatch and it has a crack, but the crack is like those arrows on the the what's that thing? Uh Dow. <laughs> Somebody help. Like stock market. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was a terrible game of, like, Um
0: <laughs> And so great for radio, too.
3: <laughs> just so everyone knows. Um, yeah, so his his company's Hash Capital, and he is he's always sharing on Instagram and I'm sure other places, like, his tradings, I don't know what you call it, like, tips. Um, and I think he has more courses kind of, like, in his head for the future. But the first one for scholarships for, if you know... Juniors and seniors in high school, it's, a, it's an awesome course.
2: So. I would say that's fantastic. I, I, I've met plenty of people, and I think we've even had people here who have talked about their transition into instructional design. And a lot of times it's like, uh, oh, I just found it, and I was really good at it, and it's amazing. And to hear your journey where you're like, it's over there, and I want it, and I'm going to take all these courses, and I'm just going to just like take any experience anybody will give me that is, that is fantastic. Um, like, how did you keep yourself going? Like there, I think there are a lot of people who, I don't want to say like New Year's resolution, like, oh yeah, this year I'm going to become an instructional designer, but like, how, how did you keep going? Like you even kind of alluded to it. You're like, oh yeah, I wanted to quit this course, but I didn't.
3: That is a great question. Um, I, I don't know the exact reason. I think I had told enough people that I was doing this that I was like, Dang it, I'm gonna do it. Like, um, and also, I knew I really, I really wanted a change. And I was open to a lot of opportunities, but I pretty much knew it needed to be in training, and, in learning and development, whatever that kind of meant. Um, I was hoping to stay in the education field because I'm passionate about education and I know it. So it'd be a little bit less of a learning curve. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I mean, and there were definitely, trust me, I got, I probably applied to 80 to 100 jobs between february and october or january and october um and i mean just applying alone is like a like a per diem job you know i mean except you're not gonna pay for it but um i mean i would tell my husband okay i'm about to go apply for three jobs so i'll be back upstairs in two hours like just leave me alone (laughs) um (laughs) like keep the dogs away i've got i've got to focus and so I had a lot of support. My family was super involved. And I know some teachers don't have that. People are like, why would you leave teaching? Like you get summer off and our benefits are great. And that's just like not enough for me personally, um, to kind of keep me there. So, um, I don't know that's, I, I think I had just told myself I was going to do it. And so I just had to do it. Yeah. Scott, uh, taught me a phrase
1: accountability partners. And that was, uh, Big change in my life. It helps to have people going,
3: hey, you still doing that thing you said you Mm -hmm. were doing? (laughs) Yes. And that's where the networking helped too because I met a lot of people in the same boat. And so we would you know, you'd hear somebody's success story and be like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. How can, how did you do that? And and the learning and development community is freaking friendly as all get out. Like um, I posted one day on LinkedIn in like July or August that either not hearing or like, job descriptions are obnoxious and um and then you know you take all this time to apply and you never hear anything ever you're like did could you just send me like at least the the automatic rejection email like that would at least make me feel better um and so i posted something about like rejection and all that and i got so much support like actual offerings of hey i'm happy to help you with your resume send me your portfolio I'll help you tweak it. Hey, I know somebody. Actually, that's how I got connected to someone for the instructor job. Like somebody reached out to me, Kyle, whose last name I can't remember, reached out and said, hey, do you know Canvas? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, let's chat. So we chatted and he looked at what I've made in Canvas and he's like, I bet I can get you a contract job. And I was like, okay, random person. Thank you. Um, And so Yeah, I mean, that definitely helped. Accountability partners and just like knowing that there was this whole group of people I did not know who were willing to support me, and then the people I do know were also willing to support me.
0: Yeah, the learning community, for the most part, good people. Um, And if you're a not-so-good person, you kind of get weeded out. It's very safe, self-regulating kind of a community. I'm really interested, like, okay, so... I want to back up just a minute. You posted on LinkedIn. Was that just a personal post or strategically? Okay, that's fantastic that you posted. That's one of the things that I want to learn from you. Like People actually read what you post, which is amazing to me. So I'm kind of curious if you posted it somewhere strategically or what did you tag that people actually read it? Or are you just... That amazing everybody reads your stuff.
3: <laughs> okay, well, a couple things. No to the last question. That was not it. Um I honestly can't remember what I tagged. I will say that during the summer I did get a little bit more um, what's the word? Like disciplined about LinkedIn. I was like, I feel like this is the place I need to be. So I kind of stopped a lot of my other social media activity, which is mostly a waste of time anyways, but um and I was really diligent. Like I actually had on my calendar to remind me to comment on posts and stuff. Because the main thing I see is people put posts out, but they never actually interact with anybody. And so, if you don't interact, then the algorithms don't put your post in front of people. So you're just sending posts like into the wilderness, and no one sees them. Um. So I was legitimately intentional. Now that post was completely just me being like, I am so frustrated, and I feel like someone might understand or no one whatever but I'm just gonna type it anyways um I don't share that kind of thing on like Facebook like I feel like my family around the country or wherever like not that they don't care but it just seems like a weird thing um and so I was like LinkedIn I feel like that's the place where people will relate you know trying to find jobs and whatnot and then it just kind of like blew up so I don't know what I, I okay blew up is a strong term but blew up for me um and so I d I can't remember what I tagged, but um it I don't know, it worked, whatever it was. So it was an accident it was an intention I was intentional about posting and interacting, but that post wasn't intentionally looking to to make those connections, if that makes sense.
0: It was just me kind of ranting. It it makes perfect sense and I'm so glad you talked about that because I learned something. So thank you very much, right? So I was always under the um, understanding that LinkedIn is a great place for thought leadership. And you got to post and you got to share. So I got into a habit of every day, I'm, I'm going to post and share stuff. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is like that's okay, but not nearly as good as commenting on people that that is a better strategy for the uh, algorithm to get your thought leadership in front of people than maybe even writing articles is is that correct
3: from what i understand don't get me wrong i am no linkedin expert um by any means i know like so i had a, a blog as a teacher and when i was for like this a very short time contemplating um like how can i make this into a bigger thing i was you know, getting into social media and how could I market and blah, blah, blah. Um, Turns out I don't really enjoy any of that. So um, but what I learned from that is that it's that interaction piece that makes that puts your posts in front of other people. So I tend to see this. I mean, I have a lot of connections, but I see the same people because they're the people who are interacting all the time. So so I kind of just deducted that that's the situation. I didn't like research it per se. Christy, I I
1: love that so often, just in this interview, I've heard you say things like, turns out I didn't like that. Nope, don't like that. I think that's great. A lot of times people are afraid to say that they're not into something thinking that is going to like pigeonhole them or limit them. But it sounds to me like it has really helped guide you by being honest with yourself and others. Nope, that's not for me.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I, so I like a lot of things, like too many things, if you will. Like, I need to hone my interests down just a little bit. So I think maybe because of that, it's very easy for me to say, this is interesting. Nope. You know, <laughs> um, and I mean, even at work, I'll tell like my manager, I'm like, I'm totally willing to do that. But just so you know, I don't want to, <laughs> like, I will do it and I'll, I'll do what needs done. But if somebody else wants to do it, then like that feels like a better fit. Um, Here's what I do want to do. Um, And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. I I guess I just know what I like and what I don't like for the most part. I've always been kind of picky. Maybe maybe that's what it is. (laughs) It sounds like it works for you. Yeah, it seems to be working okay.
2: (laughs) Now, same thing that Abby, that you just said, And something that you just talked about, Christy, is that, like, hey, like, if if, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I'll do it. And I think even just that, like, clear layout, especially when talking to, like, leadership and stuff of, like, hey, I'm a team player 100%. But just so there's no misconstruction, I'm going to run with it. uh, I don't want to. And if you've got somebody who wants to, they might be a better fit. I like that. I like that a lot.
3: I think one thing I've learned leaving the classroom, because, you know, in the classroom, like you're pretty isolated. I mean, I'm with 30 kids every 50 minutes, so not isolated in that way, but there's just not like a lot of communication. I'm I'm not saying that right, but either way, you feel very much like you're on an island. Um, And so leaving that world and being kind of in this new space where I'm working so collaboratively and like my manager is kind of. Our our titles are kind of funky, but like she is she's working with us. But then she's also like our leader. I've just found that transparency seems to be my best policy. Like I am I'm a communicator and I'm just going to communicate things the way that they are. And some people don't love that. But for the most part, they know that I'm being genuine. Like I, it's rare. You know, I don't have like some kind of ulterior motive that I'm trying to manipulate. I'm just like, hey, so I don't really like that. <laughs> just letting you know um, and i don't know that seems the the communication thing seems to be working okay so far so <laughs> just going to keep going with it
0: okay i've got a word for you i'm going to create some controversy ready
3: i guess
0: portfolio
3: oh yeah
0: talk to us about your feelings about portfolio
3: okay was it on this show just recently that y'all talked about that? Or maybe not recently, but...
0: It was, and okay. it, and, and it uh, caught your eye, and you posted something about it. So okay. I want to make sure I give you a chance to rant and tell us how wrong Dan is <laughs> about portfolios.
3: No, 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 no. I don't think I have that strong of feelings. I just think that... Well, two things. I think having a portfolio helps me get a job because employers see... Oh you're a teacher. You think you know what instructional design is, but you don't. So, next. Um but I was able to say here's my port- here's my portfolio where I created a course and you can see it. And here I can tell you all about my thought process and why we did the things we did and here's the like, workbook we created to go with it. You know, so without that, especially coming from my background, um I don't know that I would have had like the the leverage if you will. I don't know if that's the right word, but um I just don't know that it would have happened. Cause we when I interviewed for the job that I have the in each interview, they were looking at my portfolio and asking me questions about things. And I actually walked them through something I created. And then um also I have I've written blog posts like for some some leading blogs, if you will, in the education sector. And so my writing samples are there. I have graphic design samples, so it was like a whole a pretty thorough picture that my resume does it says "graphic design." Okay, well, anybody can say graphic design, but can you show me something you've actually done so I can see what that means to you? Um so in that regard, don't get me wrong, making a portfolio is a giant pain in the butt. um and I, I don't enjoy it in any anyway. Um, or keeping up your portfolio is really tough, you know, so it's been six months, and I'm like, I should probably at least keep it updated so that whenever the time comes, if it comes, I don't have to go back and like start over. Um, and then on the other side, I have been in the interview process at my uh, job. And it does make a big difference to see a portfolio. Like when people apply to be instructional designers and they have a portfolio that you can look at, it's like, oh, cool. Okay. I They do know these things because I can see it right here. And then we can talk about it in their interview. Um, so I get the argument against them at the same time. I think, you know, if you're going into graphic design, you have to have a portfolio. Like that just, I mean, that seems like crazy that you wouldn't. And so our, I don't feel like instructional design is that far off. You still have that design element and it's helpful to see like, what do you know how to do? And I'd like to see evidence of that.
1: You've clearly been through a lot of interviews. You've clearly faced, um, A lot of folks who wanted to know if coming out of like a traditional education environment gave you any skills to actually do like graphic design and stuff. For teachers who are thinking maybe that's the move for me, were there commonalities that you saw in the interviews? Things that people thought, I don't know if a teacher would have this skill. And are there things that you think you gained in the classroom that someone who doesn't have that experience wouldn't be able to bring to to your new roles?
3: So I'm going to start with the second question, experiences that I feel like transferred. Um, so we do a lot of e-learning, like most of our development is e-learning. And then we do workshops and stuff, too. But one thing I'm really noticing is how important it is. Well, a couple of things. Engagement, obviously, like. How are we going to make this course engaging? Well, I've had to engage 17 year olds, right, for 45 minutes about the great Gatsby for like 15 years. Um, I learned a trick or two. (laughs) about. You're acting like
1: that's a tough thing to do, Christy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now by chapter seven, we were good, but chapter one, not so much. Um, so, and I know, you know, adults versus kids, and I hope we're not going to have that conversation right now, but, um, You know, I feel like some of that transfers because it does take effort and you just kind of learn some of those like tricks, if you will, but also just organizing a lesson. So whether it's a unit or a lesson in the classroom, you're creating like a course for e-learning or whatever. You still have to have that thread that they pick up at the beginning and it goes through the whole course so that you're not like, what is this random chunk of information? Because if you do that in the classroom, the kids are like, what are you talking about? This is not related to anything else. And you're like, oh, good point. Um, and so I think some of the like teachers naturally learn to organize the information they have to present to kids. Well, hopefully. Teachers hopefully learn to organize the information that they have to present to kids. We've all had teachers that maybe were not great at that. Um. But I think that is a strength that teachers come to this with that maybe others don't just because they, they haven't had to do that. Right. Um, I think people who write and they they know that narrative format, they know the beginning, middle, end which seems obvious. But, you know, those to me are skills that become inherent for teachers and, and transfer really well to instructional design. Things like graphic design. I have teacher friends who are fantastic teachers would not be good at graphic design it's just not they don't have the eye for it they also don't like it you know what I mean like they don't want to sit on a computer and manipulate things to make a pretty picture um so I think you know I've had you would be shocked perhaps at the number of teachers that I don't even know like from LinkedIn or whatever like oh my gosh your journey has really inspired me. Can you tell me more about that? Um, I think I want to be an instructional designer. and I'm like, that's amazing. What are you doing to, like, accomplish that? And they're like, no, I just want to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, there are some things you need to do (laughs) to, like, get there. Um, So I think there's this, like, uh, misguided idea that you can walk out of the classroom and into instructional design. Don't get me wrong. Some people probably can, and it, it probably works out totally fine for them. But I do think you need to like hone your graphic design skills or, you know, like learn the jargon, if nothing else, like in instructional design and what parts do transfer. And so I don't know, I just have, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. So I'm just going to go do it. And I'm like, Okay. Well, it's ambitious. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, here are some resources like I have a whole document because so many people have asked me it's like two pages long of like people to follow and groups to check out and courses to take and articles to read and I'm just like okay well here you go maybe just start with this information um, so I, I don't know if I actually answered your question but that's where I ended up so <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a great <laughs> answer yeah
0: you know we need to Start to think about wrapping up just a little bit. But before we do, I really want to hear, you know, Christy today, right? So you're doing this ID thing, right? How is it? How are you doing with it? Um, what are your overall thoughts about this journey that you've been on? And then I really, really, really want to hear what you want to say to our audience around, you know, some advice, right? So, hey, I did this thing. Here's how I feel about it. You want to do it too? Or maybe you don't really want to do this. Trust me. And then some solid advice. Could you share that with other listeners? That'd be great.
3: So where I am now, I am loving my job. Um, I work from home, which actually has been the hardest part. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love being at home. Um, and I'm a little bit of like a homebody, so it might kind of be bad for me, honestly. Um, somebody I ran into last week was like, so do you ever leave the house? I'm like, yeah, I mean once a week or so, um, so there's that. But as far as the job itself, I, I get to do so many things that's something maybe people new to ID don't really get. Like, and I'm sure it's different all over the place. You might be somewhere in only design courses, but we come up with ideas, we design the course, we develop the course, we publish the course, you know, we like take care of the course after it's published. We design workshops, we give workshops, you know, like we, we do all the things. There's project management, there's product management, like all of it. Um, we design most of our own graphics. We make our own videos. We, you know, so, I mean, it's truly like learning experience on steroids all the time. Um, I don't know that there's a day that goes by that I don't learn a new thing, which for me is the best. Like I love learning things. Um that's why when I saw Fabulous Learning Nerds I was like me I'm one of those people. Um <laughs> so um and so I I'm I'm just loving it. It's different every day but not so much that you know you like get whiplash. Um and and it's an education facing company for the most part. We do um like work with businesses and some government entities and whatever. But for the most part we're you know, helping teachers across the world. Um, and so that was nice for me because I already felt comfortable with the education part. Um, so then it was just a case of learning the ins and outs of the company. And actually I contracted with them before I went full-time. So one quick side note, that was awesome because when I interviewed, it's a company full of former teachers. So he was like, how do you feel about leaving teaching? And I was like, um, anxious and guilty and all the things. And he was like, well, how could we fix that? And I was like, I could test you guys out and you could test me out first. <laughs> and he was like, OK. So I contracted with them and they let me finish out this semester. So I left at like the Christmas break instead of just randomly in the middle of October or whatever. Um, so all that to say, I feel really comfortable. There's a, I work with a great group of people. We're growing. Um, And because we're a small group, like the learning team is pretty small, we get to do all the things. I've been involved in rewriting the job description and interviewing people and working on onboarding and like just everything. And I I love it. So my husband, actually, I asked my husband last week, I'm like, do you, can you tell a difference in me from like last fall or last year to this year? And he was like, yeah, like, oh really? Like what? And of course he, he's like super quiet. So he's just like, I don't know, I can just tell. I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, what I notice <laughs> is that, um, I sleep like seven and a half hours every night and I have way less stress and, um, I'm just generally happier. Uh, so yeah, that's, I think sums up how I feel about my job. Um, and the other question, advice. Oof. So I guess. First, I would say research, like don't just assume you want to be instructional designer because you hear the word instruction and you're like, well, I can do that. Um, but you might be able to and great, but you might also not actually like it. Um, as far as teaching, I, one of the first things Allie Parrish had us do in the course is think about what do you like about teaching? And I like designing instruction, like for my kid. That's what I almost wasted most of my time on because I would get so excited and I would just like plan and plan and plan um, and then be like, okay, this is not realistic at all. Um, and so it was the planning, the researching, and the designing that I loved. And so that made sense. And then I loved leading PD. So training and in instructional design just like made sense. So I would say first, make sure that's what you really want. Contract or volunteer. And if you don't like it, then pursue something else. Um, and then work. If you really want it, if you really want to change careers, then you have to be willing to sacrifice. I mean, I had to, you know, like my husband, when I took that eight week course, it might not, it's not a big deal. We don't have kids, we have dogs, but they are kind of a pain in the butt. But, um, you know, two hours, twice a week, I was like, okay, you have to make dinner. And you have to do these things. And then I will be up there at this time, you know, like basically I need everyone to leave me alone for this amount of time so I can do this thing. And I also need you to back me up and encourage me because I'm I'm not going to want to go downstairs and sit for two hours after school. Um, and so you have to be willing to sacrifice and also try to get a team of people together to like be your accountability partners, um, hopefully more than one person. But whatever you can get, <laughs> uh, whoever's on board to just kind of check in with you and say, how is that? how's your journey going? Um, and then my third, last, third and last piece of advice is network. Like, um, if you listen to a podcast and you like it, reach out to the people. Um, if you saw a post on LinkedIn, comment on it, um, put your writing, put your thoughts out into the world. Like I think a lot of people, not just teachers, but just anyone think, well, I thought it's not original. You know, a bajillion other people have had the same situation. Yes, you're right. A bajillion people have had that happen. And that's how we all relate to each other. And that's how you connect with other people. So I think, too, just knowing that you have a voice and you can use that to share whatever it is you want, um, people will connect with it. Because we don't all hear. You know, I've said names that y'all don't know. Right. And so if they assumed that everybody already knew that information, they would be wrong. Um, and so I just think it's important that you know what you want, go for it, and network. I just want to say
2: thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and I like how you summarized it when you said, like, you know, I was sitting seven and a half hours of sleep, waking up, not stressed. It's like an instructional design fairy tale.
3: I'm like, is this a dream? <laughs> nope. Okay, it's real life. This is awesome. Don't get me wrong. There are stressful times. And when I have to give a workshop, I don't sleep the night before because I get really anxious. But other than that, it's not like every day I'm not going wait. Am I ready for tomorrow? I have to get to work early so I can do my job. No, get downstairs and do my job. (laughs) Christy, I would
1: just say it's so nice to hear from another girl in Birmingham. And I hope you go have a Milo's hamburger for me since I can't be there. And so appreciate getting some time to meet you and talk to you.
3: Thanks. It was nice to meet y'all. And thank you so much for having me it
1: been fun. Well, thank you, Christy.
0: That was awesome, and um, we're going to go ahead and throw your LinkedIn profile and some of those groovy links that you talked about in the show notes. So, folks, if you're looking for some of the things that Christy had to talk about today, look to the show notes. Um, we'll help you get there. Danielson,
2: yes, Scott.
0: Could you do me a huge favor and tell our audience how they? Can participate with us.
2: Absolutely. All right, party people. If you haven't already, hit us up with an email at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at learning nerds. Lastly, Instagram. We are Fab Learning Nerds. Reach out, we want to talk.
0: Hey folks, that's gonna wrap up our evening tonight. Thank you, Christy Louden, for dropping the knowledge in your story. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Be sure to go ahead and look her up in the show notes folks do me a favor hit subscribe uh wherever you uh, listen to this podcast and if you like it share it with your friends we'd like to get more people involved in the community and do me a huge favor could you please 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 write us a review on itunes stitcher wherever you're listening to the show if you like us that would really help us um, reach more people and share amazing stuff and with that i'm scott i'm dan
1: i'm abby and i'm christy
0: and we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. The Electronic Specifier Insights podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions of the electronic industry's biggest players. Electronics and technology are becoming increasingly integral across all aspects of daily life and within society as a whole. Check out the Electronic Specifier Insights podcast at www.electronicspecifier.com. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers. Make up work. Get physical exercise and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out my flex learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com/be to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com/be.